Hello and welcome to the Second Deer Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Matt Ingram to my James Shea. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? Yeah, feeling a lot better than Matt, in, uh, Matt Ingram uh, this morning, I imagine. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. What do you think he's just been spewing over it for the whole week? <laughs> I mean, none of the goals were his fault. It was it was just a bad day at the office and he unfortunately yeah. was one of the bystanders in that yeah. office. It's remarkable how someone can concede seven goals and none of them be his fault particularly. <laughs> yeah. But that's just ultimately what happened, wasn't it? But we'll talk about that in a sec, Justin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the number one championship-specific podcast. Welcome along. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through the two games from the past week, two pivotal games in the grand scheme of things for the championship season. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the games coming up on the final day of the season. Unfortunately, we've only got four games that actually mean anything at this point which is quite disappointing really considering it was looking quite close Mm. not long ago Justin we thought we had something to fight for (laughs) all different ends of the table but not anymore it's just the players that need sorting so we'll talk about some of the games coming up this weekend talk about the playoff race talk about some of the news from the past few days and then we'll finish off with the final Craig Bryson pub quiz of the season but before we get underway ladies and gentlemen let me tell you about Fansbet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out by clicking the link in the bio and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus up to £200 terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly Visit BeGambleAware.org for more info and do also check out Fansbet, responsible gambling tools. So Bournemouth have been promoted to the Premier League after they beat Forest 1-0. Kiefer Moore scoring the goal. In the second half, Justin, it was all Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. It was complete domination from them, wasn't it? And Mm -hmm. the goal seemed like it was coming. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, It just, Forest couldn't get out of their half with the ball. Um, they were trying to knock it long into into Surridge and into the channels for Johnson. It just kept coming back. It was relentless from Bournemouth, and I do have to say that Scott Parker's game plan was spot on for for all the criticism that I've given him. Um, I know that the first half I thought Bournemouth were quite poor, but second half they switched it on. Um, there are still criticism of criticisms of Parker's teams being ninety minute teams, but it's, you know, in a big game like this, they came up trumps. They got the game plan right in the second half. They they neutralised all of Forest's main threats. It really, really was a a, a good performance in the second half, and obviously Keith Moore coming in and, and getting the winner, I think, is it's magnificent for him, and obviously it's a good signing for for Bournemouth because it doesn't matter how much money you spend if you've got a player who who uh, scores a winning goal, it might cost you a fair bit of money. It's it's worth absolutely everything. Why was no one marking Keith Moore? Yeah. I was hoping this I, would come up. <laughs> not really sure what the thinking was here. Of course, you need as many men as possible in the wall when it's on the edge of the box. Mm-hmm. But leaving someone completely open on the corner of the six-yard box makes absolutely zero sense, Justin. Um, yeah. In any form of football, I think, in leaving someone unmarked like that, especially someone like Keith Moore. And if you watch the interviews after... Kiefer was literally shouting, Phil, Phil, Phil. It made it very obvious he was there. Normally you, you can be a bit discreet and you just try and try and put your you know hand out but beside your mouth just try and make it a little bit more uh, more He's of a like secret that you're there. At him. Yeah. He's just like, look at me. Pass look to at me. The big six, Pass to six me. Six foot seven striker. <laughs> yeah. But also there was someone on the other side of the wall as well. It's, I think it was just 
I think Forrest just fell asleep um, and it, it was poor from them and I think ultimately Bournemouth do deserve to, 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 to go up because they finished ahead of Forrest as simple as that and they also managed their big game and in big games like this tight games you need moments to go in your favour and I think every single moment went in Bournemouth's favour um, in that game Well the first half I thought Forrest were just the better side I thought they edged out over Bournemouth but the second half it was complete opposite Bournemouth completely dominated and Forrest did not get out their own half up until the final few minutes when they were just hoofing it forward trying mm-hmm. to get anything from the game and if you watch that second half without having any context to the game and you told that person that one of these teams had won what was it nine out of their last ten games mm-hmm. you would have not said Forrest would you I just no. I, I just don't know what went wrong for them in that second half I don't know if the occasion got to them of course, they had the fans who gave them the big send-off, didn't they, from the training ground beforehand. I don't know if that made the the occasion a bit more overwhelming for mm-hmm. them. Um, I just don't know. I I don't think any of the Forest players particularly shone themselves in particular glory in that second half because everything that they tried to do just did not come off and it just ultimately led to another Bournemouth attack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, uh, it does. it is interesting. I think there were... As I, as I said, there, there were moments. I think they in the first half, they I think Bournemouth were really poor. I think that allowed Forrest into the game. Um, if you look at the chances that Forrest got in the first half, Sam Sorridge hit the bar. Obviously, they could have had a, a penalty as well if it wasn't for a, a tight offside call or an offside call. Um, you know, Forrest were having more joy finding space in behind Bournemouth's defence because they were able to play through the midfield they were able to get the likes of Yates and Garner in the game they were able to exploit the channels a little bit more Bournemouth wised up to that in the second half they they cancelled uh, Forrest out um, and Forrest had nothing to nothing to add and I think that's how Steve Cooper's team needs to evolve if they if they don't go up they that's something that needs to be addressed because also I think they left it too long to, to make any substitutions as well so I just think second half was just poorly played out from a management perspective. Forest fans will be annoyed if we don't mention a couple of questionable refereeing <laughs> decisions. Steve Cooper revealed the officials actually apologised to him for one moment in the first half where Sam Sorridge was flagged offside when he wasn't and he was then brought down for what looked like a penalty. And then there are a few other bits and pieces here and there where you were looking at it thinking, mm, yeah. I'm not sure the officials got that right either. So yeah, the, the referees didn't help, but overall... I don't think you can say anything from the Forest performance deserved anything from this game, really. So it's the big question, Justin. Bournemouth, back in the Premier League. How do you think they'll do next season? It's um, my, my gut instinct at the moment would be that they, they would come straight back down. Um, and that's down to Scott Parker. I just don't know if if he's good enough to, to manage in the Premier League. I don't know if he's good enough to evolve his team I think the way Bournemouth managed the last 10 games yes they were difficult to beat um, and they relied on, on on key players but I don't think they can do that in the Premier League they need to be more functional as a unit and the data that we have i.e. his time at Fulham Scott Parker's not managed to get that out of a team yet um, and he's into his he'll be into his fourth season of management you know he's got he's had three years to do it he's had big budgets he's had a really good set of squads um, with Fulham and Bournemouth now, and yeah, he's, he's still not been able to uh, been able to find that methodology that gets the best out of a whole team rather than individuals at key times. 
Yeah, I don't think you'll find a single Bournemouth fan who's 100% convinced by Scott Parker. It, the question marks have only become more and more frequent in the past few months, considering Bournemouth have been pretty lacklustre in the second half of the season. The big concern for me is, right, Bournemouth have played eight teams, well, seven out of eight teams who have been in the top half of the table in their last eight, mm. and they've only won three of those games. That's against the top teams in the championship. When you're coming up against Premier League opposition every single week and you're not, you can't get results against championship side, how are you going to do when you're playing the level above that? So that's worrying. Um, I think Bournemouth have got a good squad. I think it's a Premier League squad. I do think it still needs adding to mm -hmm. in certain areas, yeah. despite the squad being so huge and bulging. But a lot needs to be done with the squad. I'm not convinced by Scott Parker and I'm the same as you. I think if this Bournemouth team were in the Premier League next week, they'd go straight back down straight away. Um, it depends what they do in January, but I'm not 100% convinced by their recruitments either, really. Um, is, there, is it worth having another conversation about parachute payments, Justin? Uh, <laughs> it's, uh... it, it's only become more, more of a talking point now that Bournemouth have been promoted because I think off the top of my head now, the last eight teams, including the two this season, have been promoted now. Is it? I think it's six of them yeah. have had parachute payments in some shape or form, which is not a good ratio, is it, for the no. unpredictability of the championship? But you're spot on. <clears throat> and anybody can go into past episodes where we've spoken about this. I mean, we've, we got peppered by Fulham fans for dare mentioning the the size of the budget they have compared to the rest of the league. Um it's it's frustrating from a championship perspective that this is a conversation that needs to keep on going. It shouldn't just it shouldn't just occur when when parachute payment teams get promoted. Um, I mean, Sheffield United can still go up via the playoffs, so we could be in a situation where three teams are benefiting from parachute payments go straight back up. I think that EFL Commission report said it all that needs to be said. I think even before a season starts, if you have parachute payments, you have a twenty two percent or twenty three percent chance of going up already um, and that just says it all there needs to be some there, there, there needs to be um, reform on how they on how they on how they work that's that's left to to the people at the very top to make their decisions because we can say everything and anything that we like we're not in power and as I say all clubs are self-serving in the Premier League and the Championship which just makes the need for an independent uh, regulator to come in and, and sort this as well uh, an absolute um, necessity the thing is as well there's obviously a lot of talk about who the third team is going to be relegated from the Premier League this season whether it's going to be Everton Burnley Leeds the th I'm instantly thinking that whichever one of those teams comes down they're going to go straight back up next season yeah. that's mm -hmm. just my opinion on the matter and obviously Watford and Norwich are going to be with us again next season it would not surprise me at all if one of those teams finished second as well mm -hmm. and the other one won the playoffs because it's becoming this increasing trend now where if you come down from the Premier League you're going to being around the promotion battle, whatever the case, apart from the odd anomaly like West Brom this season. Mm. Um, and it's it's not going to change anytime soon unless there is change from behind the scenes. And otherwise, we're just going to lose the unpredictability of the championship and it's going to kill English football in terms of actually having any new teams in the Premier League yep. as well. Let's move to Forrest, Justin. Do you think this 
results will have any impact on their promotion hopes. Of course, they've still got the playoffs coming up, but we were making this point not long ago, weren't we? That when you come so close to automatic promotion and you miss out late on in the normal season and you've got to go again in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. it does have a toll on teams, doesn't it, as we've seen in the past? Yeah, absolutely. It is a very interesting... um... Uh, it's yeah, it's just an interesting conundrum, and as well as that, Forest they don't know who they're playing yet. Whereas Huddersfield might have a decent idea, um, but yeah, I think I go back to the twenty twelve thirteen season for Watford. Um, Frank Cazola was in charge, um, and they they were in a shout of the automatics, <clears throat> and I think they lost out on the final day. I think I remember that Ross McCormack lob, um, which. I think the odds were against them anyway, but it's still their fate, and they didn't quite hit the um, they hit the playoff campaign as well as they did in the league. It just halted the momentum a little bit, and this could be the same with Forest. But at the same time, every time Steve Cooper and Forest have lost this season, they've they've got back on an unbeaten run or a winning run, so they have bounced back from defeats uh, and done a really good job of it. So I think yeah, they're they're an interesting. It's an interesting debate to have, but I, I do ultimately think that this this team is is slightly different to to other teams that have missed out. I think um, I think it could impact them, but at the same time, I think Steve Cooper knows what he's doing. I think he's he's very switched on tactically. He's he's, he's switched on, and this isn't a free flowing attacking team that needs momentum in games to to keep them going. This is a, a very um, yeah tactically switched on team that manages game games game by game. I know every manager will say that, but. This Forest team is the epitome of that, and I think they can go into the playoffs with a fresh start. I think Forest will 100% be the favourites for the playoffs, no mm. matter who else gets in there. Um, but as I say, we have seen it happen in the past. I remember the 2015 16 season, I think it was, when Brighton missed out yeah. on the final day. Brighton, Middlesbrough, and whoever finished top, I can't remember off the top of my head, were by far the best teams in the division that mm-hmm. season. And Many people expected Brighton to just cruise through the playoffs because they were better than the other teams in there. But they lost out in the semi-finals to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Um, because resetting yourself after you know suffering that disappointment, it's difficult. It will 100% have an impact on morale in the Forest camp, this defeat. On the bus back to Nottingham mm-hmm. from this game, I imagine it will have been silent as anything as players realise that they've just missed out on a great chance to go up in the in the top two. And recovering from that is going to be interesting because the other teams who will be in the playoffs will be buzzing heading into it. So how Forrest responds to that is going to be interesting. As I say, I still think they will be the favourites to win the playoffs, but without a doubt, um, it, it's going to take some... Uh, Geeing up from Steve Cooper, and he won't mm-hmm. surprise me if this result does have an impact on them when it comes to the playoffs. And um, final points on this game, Justin. Steve Cook revealed his dad had a cardiac arrest before kickoff. He didn't say whether he was aware or not when he was playing, but he thanked the paramedics for saving his dad's life after the game, which is just a remarkable story. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, everything's all right there now. Fulham have won the championship title. They did it in style too, thrashing Luton seven nil. And this was Fulham. At the very best, wasn't it, Justin? Oh, without doubt. Well, just go back to that Tom Kearney goal, the, the first one that got everything going. Beautiful goal, obviously, and we're down to 10 men at a time. I think Fred Onyedimba will be kicking himself and not just going down on the pitch after he did his, after he, I think he might have pulled his hamstring. Um, but that Tom Kearney goal was just poetry in motion. It was beautiful, slick move. Runs were spot on, uh, and the finish was emphatic. It was just, yeah, 
they've fallen at their very best. And yes, they have had a very good squad. They have benefited from parachute payments, but you've got to recognise the quality in this team and what Marco Silva has done to get the best out of them as well. They've been absolutely magnificent. And this game, as you said, it just completely epitomised it. It was yeah, a really, really good watch. Yeah, as we alluded to at the start of the show, Matt Ingram, bad first day at work, <laughs> only just joined on an emergency loan and had to suffer with that. Unbelievable. Um, but it is incredible that side has won 7 0 three times in one season. It's just incredible, it's isn't it? And just goes to show the quality that is in this Fulham side. Of course, they're the first team ever in Championship history as well to score 100 goals or more, which is. So it shows the attacking threat that they've got. But as we've said in the past, they're brilliant defensively as well. They're just mm-hmm. a great side all over the pitch, aren't they? And of course, Alexander Mitrovic, he did it, Justin. He broke Guy Whittingham's record. I can't believe I'm saying this. 43 goals in a season. It's nuts. It's one of those records, right? That when we were talking about Ivan Tony from last season, yeah. I just thought... 42 goals, that's never going to be topped. It's just mm-hmm. one of those records that is going to be in the books for the rest of time. But it's even crazier when you think about it that Ivan Tony had the record for the most goals in the championship season last season at 31. And Mitrovic has now scored 13 more, which is it's crazy. It's, it's, it's mad. And you think how excited we'll be getting um, last season when Ivan Tony's goals just kept creeping up. I think he, he had to get to the 30 goal barrier, didn't he? Um, because well, before the highest that, before Tony was um, Glenn Murray, who got 30. Yeah, and we were just ticking him along. We were going, oh, he's going to beat it. He's going to beat it. How exciting was it? It was watching Ivan Tony get um, get the goals he did. And then Mitrovic just swans in this season, bit of a swagger, and he just blows it out of the water. It's incredible. And I think, as I say, you've got to take your hat off to Marcus Silva for, for unlocking that. Because I was reading that, Mark, um, that Mitrovic, there's a possibility of him leaving in the summer as well. So what a turnaround that has been for for him and um, for him and Fulham. Yeah, and he's without a doubt a Premier League striker. And I go back to this myth that he's he can't do it in the Premier League. It's just absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be so important for Fulham next season. Sure, he, he might not be the quickest striker in the Premier League. I, I don't think even he'll uh, contest that. But in terms of pure goal scoring instinct, get being in the right place at the right time, being a brilliant finisher, and also his ability in the air. Mm-hmm. He's without a doubt a Premier League striker. And keep in mind, by the way, he scored 11 goals in his first Premier League season with Fulham. That doesn't sound like a striker who can't do it in the Premier League. So yeah. that, that myth is absolute bollocks. And he'll I, I'm pretty sure he'll get at least double figures next season for Fulham. As long as he plays at least 40, uh, at least 30 oh, games yeah, next season. Games. He's going to 40, 40 <laughs> league games in the Premier League. That'll be interesting. Uh, but if, as long as he plays 30 games for Fulham next season he'll get double figures for them without a doubt and he gets that constant supply that's a well any any sort of constant supply without a doubt he'll get double figures and that'll be so important for Fulham's chances of staying up next season and Luton it's something we've spoke about them before isn't it they're a great side love them across the course of the season they've still got a great chance of getting in the playoffs but they do have games like this don't they where they just don't turn up for whatever reason I think I think there are a lot more factors against them than just perhaps not turning up. The injuries just mounting up. I think I even said a couple of weeks ago that the thing that concerns me with Luton is just the injury list that's ever mounting. And obviously, as, as I mentioned, Fred Onyedimma going down just before Fulham scored. Another kick in the teeth. It's it's quite re- incredible how, how long their injury list, but I guess with the intensity that Luton play at, 
and maybe the resources available to him might not have the most advanced medical department or most in-depth medical department that might factor things i don't know um but essentially yeah it's 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 it, it was just a bad day at the office i think you summed it up perfectly when we were talking about matt ingram um i don't think it was a, a case of them not showing up they just they went away to a fulham team who were frothing at the mouth weren't they they wanted that championship title um they wanted to do it their way they wanted to get Mitrovic wanted to get 42 goals or um, exceed that that guy waiting in record it was just everything bad that could possibly happen for Luton injuries coming up against a good Fulham side um, wanting to win the title I think everything just came into one and ultimately they, they, they didn't stand a chance they, they were also massively hindered by Fulham really having their shooting boots on as well, mm-hmm. weren't they? Let me just have... The, the expected goals was 2.49, which is high, but it's not ridiculously well, seven high. Seven goal high. No, and would indicate that Fulham were just extra clinical that day. And as we say, Matt Ingram, I don't think he really could have done anything about any of the goals. So it's just one of those, isn't it, where everything just goes against you. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll have a look at the final day of the season and talk about some of the championship news from the past few days. To the second tier podcast so we've got to the final day of the season Justin and the only item that remains on the agenda is the playoffs so we'll have a quick look so this is where we stand Sheffield United need to beat Fulham at home to guarantee their place but a draw will be enough as long as Middlesbrough don't win by two goals same goes for Luton they've got Reading at home but of course Middlesbrough have got a better goal difference so need a win really Middlesbrough have to win away at Preston they're then relying on Luton not beating Reading or Sheffield United um, losing to Fulham have I got that right yes Uh, they're then relying on Luton not beating Reading or Sheffield United losing to Fulham and then Millwall's chances of making it have been helped by uh, Luton getting thrashed against Fulham, but they still need a lot of help from elsewhere. Their most realistic chance of making it is by them beating Bournemouth, Luton losing to Reading and Middlesbrough failing to beat Preston. So what are you thinking there, Justin? <laughs> That's pretty much what I was thinking at the weekend. I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it finishing as it is. And a Middlesbrough fan actually messaged me saying I'm being too negative about Middlesbrough, but the the teams above them actually have a better mathematical chance than Middlesbrough because of the points difference. Um, But you've got to then factor in Luton being absolutely panned by Fulham. Goal difference has come down. That increases Middlesbrough's chances a little bit, but as well as that, Luton can secure their place of a win against Reading. Um, I think the fact that pretty much all the teams are relying on other teams doing stuff against those teams makes it unpredictable and that's probably where the unpredictability comes into it the championship that we all know and love blah 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 um but as i say I, sheffield united i think they can get a result against fulham i think fulham will enjoy the day um, and will quite happily get some squad players game time um and that, that might open the door for a, for a sheffield united result either way and obviously sheffield united will be wanting to do everything they can to to get a result luton against reading Reading have looked really poor and leaky. Luton, they're a switched on team. They all know that they need to get some things. I can't imagine them letting off at all. They wouldn't anyway under Nathan Jones. And obviously Middlesbrough, Preston. I can see Middlesbrough beating Preston, um, but they are relying on 
other teams dropping points, which is not the best position to be in. And Millwall's chances of they're outside the 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 uh, the party, shall we say? They are peering at the window, but again, they're relying on teams dropping points. It's permutation city over here. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't make a prediction. Well, I think if I had to make a prediction, I would say finishes as it is. The key stats for me are Luton have lost once at home in the league since November and they're coming up against a Reading side who have looked fairly abysmal again all of a sudden. Um, Sheffield United have only lost once at home since October, so they'll, they'll fancy their chances of getting a result against Fulham. And then this is a stat that caught me out, Justin Preston. have only lost four times at Deepdale in the league yeah. this season. That's an interesting A one. stat that completely passed me by. So Middlesbrough have definitely got their work cut out, but they're the only realistic side I can really see catching up with the playoff because Mills is such a long shot but when you're relying on Reading beating Luton when Luton have only lost back-to-back games once this season they've only lost once at home in the league since November it's a big ask for Reading to do that but having said that final day of the championship season we've seen things like this happen before Mm -hmm. where the pressure's completely off for one of the sides and they just go out there and play their own game and I think an interesting point is Wayne Rooney, I think Tony Mowbray's doing it this week and there's been a couple of managers who have said bye to loan players and they're just going to play players that are going to play next season. So yeah. I don't know if a Paulins will do the same with Reading, but that could impact the likes of Preston, etc. I mean, it might not necessarily work with Reading because they've only got about six players contracted next season. They can't put out six players. That would definitely go in Luton's favour. Mm, I think it would definitely help them, <laughs> wouldn't it? And so, yeah, my instinct is it's going to finish the way that it is. What yeah. do you think? I, I agree. It's pretty much the point I've been making. I think, as I say, when you've got teams outside the playoffs relying on teams beating the teams that are in the playoffs as a supporter, even as a manager, or anyone involved in those teams that are um, watching from a, from afar, I wouldn't feel comfortable. So, yeah, I, I would say it would finish as it is, but it's a championship. I wouldn't be surprised that every team lost and it finished as it is. It's, it's what it is. An early Middlesbrough goal will have some teams quaking mm-hmm. in their boots. So we're hoping for that, for some intrigue on the final day of the season. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And David Brooks is cancer-free. The Bournemouth midfielder released a statement saying the treatment has been successful and he's excited to start the journey back to full fitness and continuing his football career. Wonderful news and we wish him the best of luck in getting back onto the pitch. So with QPR and Blackburn on the lookout for new managers this summer, Justin, the rumour mills have already begun. The Sun says former Norwich boss Daniel Farker is interested in the Blackburn job, while Gareth Ainsworth has been shortlisted Meanwhile, Footy Insider says ex-Derby manager Philip Koku is a leading contender. Um, thoughts on any of them, Justin? Um, really impressed with the Farker link. I think if I was Blackburn, I'd be moving very, very quickly. I think Koku, I don't think he should be um, set aside either. I think he's a, he's shown that in his first season at Derby, he's, he's, he can he can do good things. They overachieved massively. Um, circumstances worked against him hugely. Um, and obviously it went it went tits up quite quickly. But as I say, circumstances not great. Um, Ainsworth's an interesting one. Obviously he's a local lad. For me, I uh, I don't think he fits in the model that Blackburn are trying to go into. But I think he would be given time um, should he go there. But I think the only thing with, with Fok, uh, Foku... <laughs> 
<laughs> Farker and Cocker is they both need recruitment teams in place um, and, and director of football is in place to help them run other sides of the things. They're not the typical managers. They are head coach roles, head, head coach kind of, yeah, roles. I think when you've got a manager like Daniel Farker available, someone who's been promoted in two of the three seasons mm-hmm. he's been in the championship, if someone like that comes along, you've got to rip their arm off and say, yes, we will take you because his record is so good at this level. Um, it may take a bit of time to adjust to the way that he wants to work, but if you get him in, then he's got a proven track record of getting results at this mm-hmm. level. Um, Ainsworth is an interesting one. I think he's someone who I'd like to see given a chance at championship level um, because when he was with Wickham before he did a good job under very limited circumstances and I think given a bit more room for freedom will be interesting I think Sam Gallagher would absolutely love life under Gareth Ainsworth as well um, Koku I'm not sure about I've got to say um, but Farker every day of the week if 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 I'm in Blackburn's shoes I would be going straight in for him right now oh, if yeah. he's actually interested a Newport boss, James Robrey, has emerged as a top contender for the QPR job, according to Footy Insider. Um, I think this would be a, a bit of a strange one. Just in Newport, haven't particularly had an outstanding season in League Two. It, it seems a bit random, really, especially considering he's only. I think this is his first managerial job, and he's only been in there since autumn time. So it just seems very strange. There seems to be better candidates who have, are in their first managerial job um, that QPR could possibly go to than, um, than the Newport chap. Yeah, it, it is a weird one. Um, I know Rob Edwards has been linked with Blackburn and a, a few other clubs, Birmingham as well. And obviously he's done a good job at Forest Green. But I think if you're in your first job in the lower leagues, I think you need another season. I think Ryan Lowe is a very good example. Nathan Jones as well, of them working their way through the leagues um, and improving with teams. Um, I don't think going and getting a manager or head coach um, that are in their first job straight away. Yeah, I think that's unwise. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking the same as you, really. I think there was such a good caliber of free managers out there right now that I'd be looking to get one of them in, as opposed to an up and coming young manager who's very unproven to say the very least isn't he Coventry boss Mark Robbins has signed a new contract he says he wants to continue the club's development which is great news for the Sky Blues Derby's potential new owner says the takeover is almost done American businessman Chris Kirchner says a few items in the membership agreement needs to be sorted he's previously said that he hopes it will be done and dusted this week so we'll have to wait and see on that one Fabio Carvalho says he's not decided on his future at Fulham yet he's been heavily linked with a move to Liverpool but speaking to the BBC he says we'll wait and see what happens at the end of the season and a Middlesbrough fan who encouraged his son to run onto a football pitch during a game has been banned from the Riverside Stadium for life. The club say the man filmed the invasion and his actions trivialised the importance of the game with four further incursions by children at the end of the match. A spokesman said the parents of those children would also face banning orders. So there you go. Don't let your kids run onto football pitches. <laughs> right now it's time for this. <laughs> All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Indeed it is, Mr Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. I've just got to guess who it is. It's the final Craig Bryson of the season, and it's as simple as this. If I get this right, I've won for the season. If not, then me and Justin will have tied. So... Let's see how we do, shall we? Final one of the season. I've expressed my frustration at some of the players Justin has given me recently. 
but I'm I'm past the point of caring at this point. So <laughs> just give me the first clue, please. Just want to mention, you know, I think we were talking about um, bottle jobs the other week with Bournemouth, and it could be one of the biggest bottle jobs in Championship history if they faffed up automatic promotion. I'm just saying, you had a considerable lead here. Um, you could well be one of the biggest bottle jobs in Championship history because we are it a would, second it tier. It would be a bottle podcast. job if you hadn't essentially shot a bazooka at the training ground, which is what you've done with Gift and Noel Williams and Chris McCann. But I'm not expecting this one to be any better, so I don't care anymore. He's, yeah, it's all right, uh, listeners. He's he's feeling he's feeling soft, and I'm getting in his head right now, and I'm so I'm all for it. I made 239 appearances, scoring 26 goals. God, you shouted it at me. Um, uh, I always say about the start, but Chris Morgan. <laughs> so Chris Morgan. Be funny if it was Chris Morgan. I made my debut for Derry City before moving to Glen Torren. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Derry City. Let me just look through the archives in my brain of the alumni at Derry City. Um, Grant McCann. It's not Grant McCann. <clears throat> is he Northern Irish? He's yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. I then joined Burnley. For God's sake. <laughs> hold, on, hold on. I then joined Burnley where I became a fixture on the right hand side, playing right wing back, right back, and right midfield. See, ladies and gentlemen, he's not he's realised that my <laughs> knowledge of that Burnley team from the, the late noughties is just completely non existent. Burnley so. Kryptonite. Um Danny Lafferty. He's not Danny Lafferty. <laughs> I played in the Premier League for Bolton, Portsmouth and Reading. Did he really? See, I'm I'm going down the route now of thinking he's Northern Irish because obviously Derry City. But I'm struggling to come up with any players who were Northern Irish and played for Reading. How many clues have <laughs> got left? You've got two clues left. I am willing to move on to the next one. Despite having a successful career, I won just one promotion and one nomination in the team of the year. So he was not he was only in the PFA team of the year once. Which was a surprise to me. Was he really? Was he really, Justin? Mm-hmm. It's a surprise to you, is it? Is it, that what you think? It was because um I love this player. I can't think of any Northern Irish players. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure he's even Northern Irish. This is incredible. Um, John Oster. He's Welsh. Is he? Yep. <clears throat> Go on, last one. My career wind down. I then moved into non-league, playing for Wrexham, Wealdstone, Welling United and Grey's Athletic. Yeah, now now I'm really helped. Cheers, Justin. <laughs> <sighs> Played in the Premier League. <laughs> We go through the clues, are you? Well, I was actually listening back to you last week, just you actually spent two minutes on the last clue before actually giving your answer. So if I wanted to, I could really waste time. But we've got time. I've got. got time. I've lacked. So, I've just completely lost it. Lost enthusiasm and energy for this game now. This is incredible. You only sing when you're winning. <laughs> Because this, I just know this is going to be so obscure. Go on, I, I don't care anymore. You don't know? 
No. You're going to kick yourself. He's featured in a lot of clips that have been put out and goal videos. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What with the clubs again? Oh, get lost. Get lost. <laughs> no, what, were the clubs? In... what were the clubs? What the, the, clubs? Cl- the clubs were Derry City, Glen Torren, Burnley, Bolton, Portsmouth, Reading, Wrexham, <laughs> Wellstone, Walling United. Yeah, cheers. 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 Cheers for the last few. <laughs> Don't know, Glen Little. <laughs> it is Glen Little. What? It's Glen Little. It is Glen Little. It is Glen Little. It's Glen Little. What? <laughs> yeah, it won't get lost. I just guessed it. After another clue. You didn't give me another clue. Yes, what I did give you another clue. It's featured in a lot of our goal clips. And ah, right, anyway, anyway, it's Glen Little. It is Glen Little. It is Glen Little. I thought he was from the South Coast. Yeah, he's not Northern Irish. <laughs> that what? was a red herring. <laughs> yeah, he's not Northern Irish. He's, he's, he's spell What's up... he doing at Derry City? <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, his spell at Bolton was a loan spell and he played five games. Ladies and gentlemen, I've won the Craig Bryce. Oh, get lost! It sounds like I've won it. (laughs) I just guessed it. How how have I not won? I think the listeners should decide because that. No, this is is a win. I've just guessed the winner. This is a win tainted in. This is controversial. This is controversial. controversial. Tell that to Gifted Noel Williams and Chris McCann. I mean, even Glenn Little's not great. I just guessed any sort of Reading player who I knew used to play on the right-hand side for them in the early noughties, and it ended up being right. Glenn Little's a legend. And the the last two clues you gave me, what were the last two again? I don't think we need to go through those. No, I don't think we do either, because I've won for the season, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Shower me in your glory. (laughs) Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been the final Craig Bryson pub quiz of the season. I am your champion for the season, and rightly so, I say. Um, And we'll be heading back to the final day of the season on Sunday. So we look forward to seeing you then. Most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, next Tuesday. It's the second tier awards. My favourite time of the season, Justin. We're going to be giving you our player of the season, our team of the season, manager of the season, goal of the season, any other of the season awards that we can come up with between now and Tuesday. So we look forward to seeing you then. But most importantly, we'll see you on Sunday for the roundup of the final day of the season. Um, So, yeah, see you this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good weekend. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.